Good evening, dear friends, dear Sangha. Welcome to the retreat. Uh, with the title uh, "Transformation at the Base: The Art of uh, Suffering." <coughs> Today is uh, August the twenty-fifth. In the year 2013, and we are in the Brookleaf uh, Monastery in uh, Pine Bush, New York. Peace, happiness, and love are skills that we can learn, like we learn uh, to work with a computer, uh, to learn how to play tennis, or music. And everyone can learn the art of uh, happiness, how to be peace, how to, uh, how to make peace how to be happy, how to help another person to be happy, how to be compassionate, and how to help the other person to be compassionate. And this kind of learning should be available for young people also. to uh, produce a feeling of joy, to produce a feeling of uh, peace, of uh, happiness, is possible for everyone. You should learn. It is possible to uh, bring in a feeling of joy, a feeling of happiness. And that is the art of uh, happiness. How to how to train ourselves to be happy. How to uh, help the other person to be happy. But the art of happiness is linked with the other kind of art, the art of suffering. Because every one of us has a suffering inside, and we need to know how to handle the suffering inside. We have to learn how to suffer. If we know how to suffer, we suffer much, much less. Much, much less. And we can make good use of our suffering in order to produce uh, something else like uh, understanding, compassion, happiness. It's like uh, making good use of the mud in order to grow lotus flowers. If you want to grow lotus flowers, you need the mud. If you, if you want to produce happiness, you need also suffering. You, you need some amount of suffering. And there are plenty of it. 
inside of us and around us. You don't have to look for suffering. So how to learn, to learn how to make good use of suffering that is there inside of us and around us to make uh, understanding and compassion and happiness is a very important subject. I think it should be taught in schools at every level. If you are a school teacher, if you are a parent, and then you would like to have to master that art in order to teach your students and your children. If we know how to handle the suffering in us, we, we suffer much less. And joy becomes possible, happiness is become possible. And then we can understand the suffering of the other person much more easily and help him or her to suffer less. Not only we do not make that person suffer, but we can help him or her suffer less. But we have to begin with, with ourselves. And the energy of mindfulness can help us. And every one of us can generate the energy of mindfulness. The energy of mindfulness has the capacity to help us produce joy and happiness. The energy of happiness helps us handle the suffering and take care of suffering inside and around us. And generating the uh, the energy of mindfulness is what uh, we do as uh, practitioners. Every breath, every step can produce, can help produce uh, mindfulness. Everything we do, like uh, taking a shower, driving a car, uh, watering the um, vegetable garden, can help also uh, generate the energy of mindfulness. When we drink our tea, we can drink it in such a way that, um, that the energy of mindfulness can be generated. It's called a mindful drinking. When we eat, we practice mindful eating. And we continue to generate that energy of mindfulness that will, that will help us to handle suffering and to create happiness. Uh, tonight, uh, Sister Lingyam from uh, Thailand and Brother Fab Liu from uh, the United States will offer you instructions as how to enjoy best our time together in the retreat so that transformation and healing can happen to everyone. But before that, uh, we shall practice um, chanting. And this is kind of uh, practice of mindfulness called mindfulness of uh, suffering. Because mindfulness is always mindfulness of something. When you drink uh, mindfully, that's mindfulness of drinking. When you walk mindfully, that's mindfulness of walking. So when you become aware of the suffering inside of you, and you hold it tenderly, it's like a mother holding her baby, that's mindfulness of suffering. Mindfulness of suffering helps 
us to suffer less, to have a chance to get in touch with ourselves, to understand our suffering, and to allow compassion to be born. When you know how to touch suffering, you allow compassion to be born. And the energy of compassion has the power to heal. Suppose you look at someone, and if you look mindfully, you will see the suffering in him or in her. You see that that person does not know how to handle the suffering in him or in her. That is, that is why that person remains the victim or victim of his own suffering. And as he suffers, he makes people around him suffer. So that's what we see when we look at one person and recognize the suffering in that person. And if we look at him or her like that with understanding, understanding compassion, the energy of compassion is born. And we, don't, and we are not angry at him or her anymore. Instead, we want to do something or to say something to help that person suffer less. Just a few minutes of looking, recognizing the suffering in the other person, seeing him or her as victim of his or her suffering is good enough to allow the energy of compassion to be born in your heart. And when compassion is in your heart, you suffer less, you don't suffer anymore. You do not get angry at that person anymore. You don't want to punish him or her anymore. Instead, you want to do or say something to help him or her suffer less. This is, uh, can be easily understood. So the same thing is true with our own suffering. If we know how to go home to ourselves, and listen to our own suffering and hold it tenderly. We allow understanding and compassion to arise and you begin to suffer less. You become lighter. Transformation is taking place. And when we suffer less, when we have understood our own suffering, it's much easier for us to see, to recognize the suffering in the other person and understand the suffering in him or in her. And looking at him or her, we are not angry anymore. We want to help because compassion is born from understanding. The suffering inside of us carries within itself the suffering of our Father. Our Father may have suffered a lot, he may not have uh, learned the art of uh, taking care of his suffering. That is why he, he may have made um, our mother suffer. He may have made us suffer. So the, the suffering in us carries within itself the suffering of our father, our mother, our ancestors. So when we go back to ourselves and hold our suffering, and look deeply into it and understand it, 
we can understand the suffering of our father, our mother, and our ancestors. And our suffering also reflects the suffering of our society, of our nation. And that is why understanding our own suffering, we understand the suffering of our society. And we know how to help and not to make it worse, the situation worse. So mindfulness of suffering is um, to recognize the presence of suffering. And instead of uh, running away, trying to run away from it, uh, we go home in order to recognize it and embrace it tenderly. Many people are not, do not want to do so because uh, they are afraid. There is uh, loneliness, there is a fear, there is despair in them. And they don't want to be in touch with this kind of suffering inside. They are afraid to be overwhelmed by the suffering inside. That is why they try to run away. But most of us do like that, by the way of consumption. We pick up a magazine to read. Even if there's not, there is, the article is not very interesting, but we still read it because we don't want to, to be with ourselves, to be with our suffering. We turn on the television, we go to the internet, we play music, we pick up the phone and talk, we do everything in order not to go home and be with our own suffering. <coughs> that those of us uh, who go and look for something to eat, because we hope uh, while eating we might forget for a while the suffering and the loneliness inside. So there are many ways to cover up the suffering inside. And the marketplace, the, the the supermarket provides us with many items in order to help us running away from our, ourselves. <coughs> but according to this practice, you should not be afraid of going home. Because if you know how to breathe, how to walk, and generate the energy of mindfulness, you will, you will go home in strength. With that energy of mindfulness, you are stronger you will not be overwhelmed by the suffering inside. You, with that energy of mindfulness, you can recognize the suffering inside of you, uh, smile to it, and hold it tenderly. You take care of your own suffering, like a mother taking care of her uh, baby. Listening to our own suffering and the suffering of other people, that is a practice that everyone can learn. There is a bodhisattva of compassionate listening in every one of us. If we train ourselves and that bodhisattva of deep listening will manifest in us, and we will have the capacity to listen to our own suffering and the suffering of the other person. In Mahayana Buddhism, we speak of Avalokiteshvara, 
the bodhisattva of uh, deep listening, the bodhisattva of uh, compassionate listening. He was a man, a person, a human being like us. He had suffered, but he had learned how to suffer, to listen to his own suffering. That is why he got liberated and he could help many people. He could listen to many people and help them suffer less. So Avalokiteshvara is a god dwelling on the clouds. But that capacity of deep listening, compassionate listening in us. So uh, tonight the monastics uh, will chant the name of Avalokiteshvara, the Bodhisattva, the great being of, uh, of compassion. And they have been trained to, to, to chant in such a way that can help them go home to themselves and touch the suffering inside. Mindful chanting practicing the mindfulness of suffering. So when they chant the name for the first time, they go back to themselves and touch the suffering inside. And the purpose is uh, clear, to allow the energy of compassion to be born for healing. And together we can create uh, a collective uh, energy of mindfulness and of compassion. If uh, uh, we chant in mindfulness and if we listen in mindfulness, together we can create a powerful collective energy of mindfulness, mindfulness of chanting, mindfulness of listening, and the energy, collective energy of compassion that will help you, heal every one of us. And when they chant the name for the second time, they reached out and recognized the suffering in the people in front of them, on the left, on the right, behind them. Because everyone has suffering inside. And the purpose is the same, to give a compassionate chance to be born. And when they chant for the third time, they reach out and touch the suffering a little bit everywhere in the world, in Egypt, in the Middle East, in Asia, everywhere. Death, uh, poverty, social injustice, war, killing, violence. And the purpose is the same, to allow the nectar of compassion in the heart to be born. And we know that when compassion is there, it begins to heal us and heal the world. So when we listen to the chant, we can participate in the practice, mindful listening. We are allowed, we follow our in-breath and our breath. Stop the thinking because the thinking will take us away from the here and the now. Stop the thinking and following our breath, we recognize that we have a body, a feeling. 
and we allow the collective energy of mindfulness and of compassion to penetrate into our body. There is a tension in our body. There may be pain in our body. And if we allow our body to be there, relax, and allow the, the collective energy of mindfulness generated by the practice to penetrate into our body, and then we can release the tension in our body easily. We surrender to the Sangha. We surrender to the collective energy of mindfulness. It's like um, a drop of water. Allow the whole river to embrace and to transport her. That is our practice. Allow the energy of the group to penetrate into your body and help release the tension. We don't need to do anything. Just allow ourselves to be fully present in the here and the now, in the zone of wholesome energy. And the healing will take place. And we feel better after a few minutes of listening. And if we have some pain or despair or anger or fear in our heart, it's time for us to open our heart and allow the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion generated by the chanting and the listening to penetrate into our heart and help embrace like a mother embracing the baby like a drop of water allowing herself to be embraced and transported by the river. Dear Sangha, here is my pain, here is my sorrow, here is my despair. I am a beginner in the practice. My mindfulness is not strong enough to hold it, so please help me hold the suffering in me. Open our heart and allow the Sangha to help you hold, recognize the suffering inside and hold. And if you can do that, you will suffer less in just uh, a few minutes of listening. Because uh, the collective energy of mindfulness and compassion generated by the whole Sangha is powerful enough to uh, to embrace uh, and hold uh, our pain and sorrow and fear. And if uh, we have someone in the family or relatives who is uh, sick, who suffers deeply at this time, who cannot come to the retreat, we can think of him or her or call the name silently, and this energy will be channeled to that person right this evening. And at home or in the hospital, she or he will feel better. The energy of peace, the energy of compassion can be generated by the practice of uh, breathing, of chanting, of listening. Mindful breathing, mindful chanting, mindful listening. 
And if during the chanting you feel that you like to cry, allow yourself to cry. Cry mindfully. But don't forget to follow your in-breath and out-breath. Mindfulness of crying is possible. And uh, the practice is, uh, as I said, it's like a drop of water allowing the whole river to hold it. Surrender to the river. So in the Buddhist tradition, we speak of uh, taking refuge in the Sangha. That is it. You are in the Sangha. The Sangha can produce uh, a powerful energy of, uh, of uh, peace and compassion and mindfulness. And that is the best thing you can get from a retreat. Not a Dhamma talk, but uh, the collective uh, energy of the Sangha. So please um, uh, allow your body to relax. Follow your in-breath and out-breath. Stop the thinking. You don't have anything to do now. You have nowhere to go. Just enjoy the retreat. Welcome.
Biasanya sesering game come from Thailand. It's a practice center called Thai Plum Village International. And she's one of the Dharma teachers taking care of the center. And Brother Fablu comes from America. <laughs> His name is Brother Stream. She has been streaming the Dharma talks too, so that everyone can, uh, can have a chance to listen to the Dharma talks even in Plum Village. They will offer you uh, instructions as how to enjoy our time together in the retreat. I'll be uh, with you tomorrow at 6 here for walking meditation and sitting meditation. Have a happy, wonderful retreat. Can everyone hear? No. So we'll just smile and breathe. sound of the bell while we hopefully have uh, <laughs> the possibility of hearing in a few <laughs> minutes. We can just come back to our seat and, and enjoy um, being aware of our body and aware of our breath. And we don't need to, <laughs> we can just be whatever position our body is in, we just be aware of it and smile and relax. Dear, dear family, <laughs> dear friends, welcome to Blue Cliff Monastery. Mm. Could I just see a, a show of hands to see how many are coming for the first time on a retreat like this? Okay, maybe you turn and wave to each other. <laughs> Hello.
How many of you are from New England? Raise your hand. Okay. Wave to each other. Hello. <laughs> How about from the Midwest? Wave to each other, not so many. <laughs> How about the South? Yeah, the South. <laughs> California. How about California? Wow, long way. <laughs> How about Europe? A few. Wow. Oh, I know this. <laughs> but I shared a little bit already about. Um, the collective energy of practice. So when we come to a retreat like this, we, we're very aware of that. We're very aware of that we are not only coming from a little bit all over the world, all over the country, but that we bring our ancestors with us through many, many generations. And so this is a coming together of not just a few hundred, but many thousands, maybe millions and we are here supporting, as this crowd of a million, the energy of mindfulness. That's very powerful. And I think you can feel it already. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I'm very happy to be here with Sister Linnin, my big sister. <laughs> um, we share um, briefly what we will be doing during this retreat so that we can um, help to support this energy and really, I think, unpack a little bit what Tai shared in the first <laughs> few minutes because that is really the, the core and essence of the retreat here, being aware of our suffering and, how, and seeing how it can be the mud for our lotus of happiness. And that is really the, the foundation and the, the aim of all our retreats. Can you hear? It's better. Did anyone not hear the beginning? <laughs> it's okay, you'll get it later. <laughs> I grew up not far from here, just uh, about an hour and a half away in Connecticut. And, uh, so coming home to these forests and hearing the crickets is, is really like coming home to my summers of childhood. So here we're, we're invited to come back to those, um, to that happiness, that joy that we all experience as a child, hearing the crickets on a summer evening. Because that's already in us, it's still in us. And it's a, uh, it's, it's the address of our happiness. <laughs> I talked about touching happiness, generating happiness and joy. So we are, we are from the US. We know about the pursuit of happiness. We know a lot about pursuing happiness. We don't know much about generating happiness. <laughs> so here we're going to turn it around. <laughs> yeah. 
because we've been running all our lives and that's our great suffering. So how do we turn it around? So here we we practice um, what we call stopping. Um, It means we hear a sound of a bell, we suddenly become aware of the sound of the crickets and we stop and we notice. We're aware of what's happening. We're aware of the sound of the crickets. You just listen for a moment. We don't have to go far to find the infinite. Throughout the retreat, we'll have numerous small reminders that'll help us to stop and touch that infinite, infinite lifetimes, infinite space, infinite time, right in the present moment. And it's not something abstract. (laughs) It's something we all are, we're very familiar with. It's just that we cannot touch it. So we start to lose our faith. We start to lose that capacity to see it. So mindfulness helps us to touch. This this awareness allows us to touch this infinite space in ourselves, which allows the joy and the happiness to come up. For a long time, not just the instance of joy, not instant gratification, not just the a web page flashing before our eyes, but something that lasts long, long time. That is the kind of happiness we're generating here. So we'll have many practices that will help us to do that. This morning, uh, this afternoon before coming here, I went for a walk in the woods. I hope you have a chance uh, in the walking meditation, also um, on your own. And I stopped at a certain moment and I took off my sandals. And I just enjoyed stepping on the moss of the forest. So soft. There's no carpet that can even match the feeling of moss under your feet. But if I'm caught in my thinking, in my worrying about having to do the orientation tonight, then I cannot enjoy the feeling of the moss on my feet. That's just my, my worrying mind, my, my thinking. So Taita shared a little, a little bit about stopping and coming back to ourselves, like a mother embracing her child. When we're able to really be there with the earth under our feet, we really touch this kind of happiness. <laughs> And we see this beautiful paradise that is all around us, all the time. It's always there. It hasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> it's only we who have not seen it anymore. We've lost it. We've been caught in all these projects. We went for a hike at the Sam's Point, which is a beautiful cliff near here. And uh, they have a little museum. And I saw old pictures of the, the people who lived here in the mountains in the summer and picked blueberries. 
They lived in very simple shacks, just all kinds of boards nailed together. And I saw a picture of this three generations of women, a grandmother, mother, and her daughter sitting outside one of these shack, shacks. It looked like a, a summer afternoon. And they were smiling. It was so alive. They had almost nothing, just this little shack and blueberries all around them to pick and send to the markets in New York City. But this joy and happiness. And here we are, we have this forest all around us. We have the cliffs, we have the crickets, we have the moss under our feet. But we also have our cell phones. <laughs> Somehow it seemed far more compelling. <laughs> so what is this? What's going on? So here we invite you to stop, to put away the cell phone, put away the computer, put away our projects, just put them all down. <laughs> that is the practice of stopping, real stopping. So here you have food, <laughs> you have a place to sleep. <laughs> you don't have to think about anything, I promise you. <laughs> Nobody's gonna kick you out <laughs> if you don't think. <laughs> yeah. so that is what we're creating here we create this um, space these conditions for you to put down your thinking your worrying come back to your body come back to your breath mm. when I was uh, sitting here and Tai was sharing mm. I was sharing I was thinking about my when I was a little boy and my mother would tuck me in at night my mother is here by the way I won't tell you where she is. But... <laughs> uh oh. No. <laughs> and I was reflecting on how this was when she came and tucked me in at night, it was kind of like my first lesson in mindfulness. Because she used to sit on my bed next to me, and I felt so warm and snug, so protected, so at peace, calm with nothing to worry about. I didn't have to think about a job. I mean, maybe, I don't even think at that time I had to worry about my homework. <laughs> I was too young still. <laughs> and she used to just talk, ask what's, what's going on inside, what, what's, or what's going on with me, and just talk with me. Get me to learn, see my feelings, to share about my feelings, to understand them by sharing about them to tell me a story, to help me reflect on myself. So mindfulness is not something foreign, right? It's something we already have touched in many ways in our life. Many, um, we have many sources of mindfulness already there. And hopefully this retreat will just bring all of these sources together for you, like a confluence of rivers. When I was on the walk this morning, I saw the trees, the birch trees, um, on the side of the path uh, with the leaves moving in the wind. <clears throat> and I was touched by the grace of the trees. Yeah. Sometimes the Tai talks about the tree that is able to bend in the wind so that it will not tip over. If it's too rigid in the strong wind, the tree will just fall over because it will resist and be uprooted. 
But because the tree can bend so gracefully in the wind, it has resilience. So this capacity to be flexible, to come back. When we talk about coming back to ourselves, stopping and coming back to ourselves, it means coming back to this, this nature which is already there. It's already in the tree. It's already in you. <laughs> but maybe because of our way of living, it's become a little bit rigid, a little bit stuck. <laughs> you know, with our worrying, with our, our habitual thinking, our projects, sitting behind the computer. So how do we regain this resilience to be able to sway in the wind with grace, like the tree? So we have that kind of resilience or solidity. That is what stopping helps us to do. Um, And walking is one way of practicing stopping. So tomorrow morning, when you wake up, as Tai said, we'll meet together here and practice um, walking meditation together. we really are aware of our step, we're aware of the contact our foot makes with the earth, and we're aware of our breathing. And for the moment, we don't need to be aware of much else. (laughs) Just coming back to our breath, coming back to our step. And noticing when the thinking is coming up, just kind of letting it go, like a river, like debris on a river. You're sitting on the bank and it just floats down. But you don't get you don't grab onto it and let it drag you down the f- along with the flow. But instead you step back and say, oh, that's my thinking. And you smile. Your thinking is not your enemy. But you just say, that, that's there. That's there and I recognize it. I'm thinking. I come back to my step. I come back to my breath. That's the practice of stopping. <laughs> so we'll practice that in our walking meditation. Not only in the morning when we walk together as one large body, but also throughout the day, wherever we go. That's why we like to practice not talking while walking. Because when we talk, it's blah, 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 blah. We don't, we're not aware of our step, we're not aware of our breath, we're not aware of anything. We're just aware of these neurons firing. The old neurons just in their habitual pattern, like bees buzzing. So that's not mindfulness. So we really want to be aware of our step and be aware of our breath. That's why we we like when we walk from one place to another to stop if somebody talks to us. So if you're near a monastic or some other brother or sister who really enjoys this practice, you might wonder, why are they stopping just because I talk to them? And that's why, because we really want to be present when we talk and be mindful of our speech. So we're mindful of our walking. If we want to talk, it's easy. We just stop. And then I give you my full attention as a human being, my full presence. This is like the mother tucking us in. She's fully present there for us, not just passing the time while we get from one place to another, because that's our habit throughout all of our lives. We just talk to pass the time. Pass the time and pass the time until, well, there's no more time. (laughs) It's all over. So really take this time, I invite you. It's an invitation, it's not, nobody is forced to do anything. (laughs) That's the nature of our retreats. We just invite you. We create the conditions and we invite you because um, when we are the guest and we step in, we feel honored. We feel dignified to be the guest 
And that is how we wish to have you feel. Because it is an honor to have you here. It's an honor to benefit ourselves from this collective energy that you bring with you. This beautiful aspiration to look deeply in your life, to stop, to breathe, to bring about real awakening in your life and the lives of those around you. This is what I call a kind of duty of happiness. We are, we, we, I'm a New Englander and I have you know, this Puritan ethic that is passed down to me over many generations of service and duty. But the first duty is to our happiness, is to generate happiness for ourselves and for those around us. And that is very difficult for us to accept as Puritans. <laughs> <laughs> and we, we're not the, we don't accept it but it is what creates a paradise on this earth yeah. we just came from an educator's retreat in Toronto and Tai had written the phrase happy teachers will change the world well happy people will change the world and we are all teachers by the way of our walking and our way of breathing so it is a, this is an invitation for you to touch this happiness to fulfill your duty your service of happiness to yourself and to the world. And it doesn't require any cell phones, any houses, mortgages, um, cars, careers, none of it. Just your breath and your step and the capacity to stop. So before I continue, I know with more of what we'll be doing in the retreat. I'll pass the mic to my sister to share a little bit more about uh, some of the other things we'll be doing during these coming uh, five days. Friends, I'm very happy sitting here and looking at all of you. And it reminds me of the time when I went to the retreat first time in 1994, 1993 in Germany. Um, four days retreat, and it's, it's my life-changing experience. And Therefore, when I look at you, and many of you also come the first time, I'm so happy. And I know that each one of you will, will find uh, miracle moments in these six days with the 
And I see that we all come together, like my brother share. It's wonderful that we have this uh, event. We have this time together for six days, many hundreds of us. Almost 1,000, including monastics. Um, we have a chance to really relearn, to really learn again the way we live our daily life. That's what I felt the first time when I came to the practice. I learned how to eat, how to walk, how to sleep how to share, how to listen, uh, how to sit, how to stand. We all learn that. But I get to learn in a, in a new way, in a new way that brings me more happiness, brings me more awareness. The first thing that we uh, uh, always uh, like to encourage everyone, invite everyone, like my brother shared, that uh, it's good that we practice to coming back to ourselves, um, to stop. And we have many ways to help you stop. We stop because we, we may have been running all the time in our whole life. Before I practiced, I also felt like that. I felt like uh, something out there. And the feeling inside always like there's something out there. But I don't know where <laughs> or when, when I will get that. That when I come back to the practice and really can in touch with the, the energy of mindfulness, like I shared earlier, and really in touch with the, the present moment, I start to feel that, that feeling of content, that feeling of fullness, that feeling that, ah, oh, it's here. Everything is here. And that's what we usually do when we listen to the bell. You, uh, hear the bell already, I think since you arrive and have dinner, some of you may be surprised that what are we doing, why we have to stop. And listening to the bell is also like uh, Brother Fablu share when we have a chance to listen to the cricket or the feeling of uh, coming home. And the bell is also a tool, a wonderful tool that we will invite, and we like to invite you just to take that chance, just to come back uh, to yourself. And in order to come back to yourself, sometimes it's not always easy. Because we, we used to thinking all the time, talking all the time, doing things all the time. That's why we encourage everyone to come back to, to your breathing. The breathing is like the bridge that brings the, the, the body and the mind together. Sometimes we are here, but we're still thinking of how, what, what happened at home. 
what's going to happen next week when I go back home, when I go back to work. And we use our breath just to come back and basically be with your in-breath as it is. Just know that you are breathing, either it's short or it's long, and just, just be with your breathing. And allow the sound of the bell to penetrate deep into every cell of your body, deep into your mind, your body. I like to picture sometimes like the rain that falls onto the earth and feel so peaceful. Because when you are with the breath, everything stops. The breathing is there and then naturally the thinking also stops. And sometimes uh, we also say a little poem in ourselves, breathing in, and I listen, listen to this wonderful sound. And breathing out, it brings me back to my true home. When I uh, have a chance to went to the retreat, and following year I went to Plum Village. The first step, I stepped on the Plum Village ground in France, and I felt like I come back home. I have never been there. <laughs> Actually, my hometown is in, in Bangkok, in Thailand. But I arrived in, this, uh, uh, in the middle of the rural area in France, and I feel, I, I feel at home. I feel so much at home because I have a chance to touch the peace, the energy of peace that already in that, that piece of land and the energy that everyone practicing. And that's what I usually get in touch when I listen to the sound of the bell. Coming back to your true home is, is like that because your body, your mind is there, the peace is there. The happiness is there. And it's wonderful when we invite the sound of the bell and you have many hundreds of people stop at the same time. And each one of us at that moment offer the peaceful energy, offer the awareness uh, to each other. And it creates a lot of uh, energy. That's why it's so wonderful that when we can come, so many of us come and and practice together and give support and, and offer all this collective energy. So we will live together like that as a big family. And uh, I come from Asia, so sometimes we still live in a big family. My family still live in a three generation. But now we start to uh, um, have each one have their own room. So uh, come to the retreat, I think many of you get to share with someone, right? So that will be also a practice of sharing together. So please explore the bell for yourself. Here we have this big bell. We have little bell, you will see. And it's, I think you can see in the bookshop, the children also enjoy inviting the bell. But the bell could be the sound of the cricket. Um, 
the sound of the rain, the sound of your children, the sound of your beloved one. The bell can also remind you of someone that, or someone or something that you think of, and then it's bringing you so much peace and happiness. And throughout these uh, six days, you have a chance to, uh, to eat together three times a day. If it's not less or more, unless you have your own meal, more, there will be more than three. Um, eating is a very deep practice. And we, uh, we take that chance to, to relearn about the way we eat because uh, we are what we eat. And we come here to practice is also take care of our mind, but at the same time, we also take care of our body. So, first thing is like Brother Fabru's hair. It's wonderful that now you are here, you don't have to cook. You don't have to go out shopping. No shopping for this week. You don't have to get up early morning and hurry, make your own breakfast and try to catch. Uh, the time to go to work. So we start practice of eating before we eating, because we will start standing in line and get the food. Standing in line is also a practice, and we um, at lunchtime I also stand in line and wait to get the food. And I saw that it would be so wonderful this evening. Many hundreds of friends will come, and they will just stand in line and wait to get the food. They don't have to cook for themselves. I'll go out and find places to eat. And when we're standing in line, we usually have a perception that we are waiting. But actually, we are not waiting. We are not waiting for getting the food or waiting to see that all oh, the people in front of me already take that piece of potato. <laughs> oh, that tray is, is almost gone. <laughs> Actually, it's fine if you think that way. As long as you're aware of it, it's kind of fun. Just, yeah, I'm aware. Like Brother Fapu said, thinking is, is fine as long as we're aware. You can come back to your breathing. I'm breathing and I'm aware of my thinking. Mm-hmm. Try practice standing as a way that you can really enjoy being in that moment. It's so wonderful that we can come and have the meals together, like having a celebration, because it's not so many chance you get to eat with so many hundreds of people all at once. And, and enjoy friends standing around and breathing, smiling. It's nice to just uh, communicate by just eye contact. I just smile. There's some communication also deeper than just uh, talking. Talking sometimes takes so much uh, 
uh, energy. So while you are standing, waiting to get the food, we also encourage you to practice uh, noble silence. And when you get the food, um, you may see some of the brothers and sisters, they enjoy their palm, and what they do is just contemplate and breathing. So if you like, you may um, just pause a little bit and see that I, I enjoy the, we, in the monastery, we also have the poem that we, we recite, we think of before we do certain activities just to remind us to be more awareness. And coming from Asia, there's so many uh, children that still not enough food to eat. It's a common picture I, I saw when I was growing up. And, and to be able to see that, oh, breathing in, and I see this plate is empty. Breathing out, I know that soon, in just a few minutes, I will fill this plate with lots of wonderful food that carefully prepared and lots of love. And when you breathe in and out like that, it's already bringing me so much uh, gratefulness, so much gratitude in order to take this food and in order to do something to offer back to, to others, to the world, in order to put my whole heart into the practice. And Sometimes when my stomach not so well, I also uh, take that moment to ask, uh, how are you today, my stomach? What do you think you should eat? And uh, should I take this? Is, uh, will my stomach be happy? Uh, should I take this much? And, this is also the practice of mindfulness, the practice of awareness. And please take the, the food and then we <clears throat> walk uh, mindfully to find your own uh, seat. We will uh, eat the whole meals in silent, all three meals. Um, at lunchtime, you will hear the contemplations on the food, the five contemplations. What's it important that we learn how to eat in a spiritual way, in a way that nourishing us is the first uh, focus on awareness on the food, and second, on the community. We are like community now, a community of practice that we come together for six days to practice together. Also like a family, like a spiritual family. So we have a chance to, to be aware of the food you are eating, to be aware of the friends around you. And the first time when I learned to eat the food in this way, I was so happy because I realized that I can eat uh, the whole cosmos. <laughs> I never think of that way, you know. <clears throat> Always <clears throat> eating and then have to finish and go do some things. I enjoy so much and I chew very slow. Chew every bite and, and um, give rise to the thought that the 
the piece of carrot that I have before I put in my mouth is also have grown with the sunshine, with the rain in it, with the soil, with the sea, with a lot of love of the gardener, a lot of love of the friends, brother, sister here who cut and prepare. And I, I feel so much happiness just to, to see that a piece of carrot can, can become such a wonderful thing before it's entered into my body. And, um, and when I eat like that, I chew slowly, slowly, and so I can remain that taste and the happiness or the, the source of all this food that come and nourish me. And it's wonderful when you chew very slow and you can taste the, usually when the taste starts, it is the sweet or sour, very tasty. And slowly, slowly it changed to be other tastes and, and, and the taste will kind of slowly, slowly dilute. And, and when you chew completely every bite, and to into the very small morsel, more small bite. You can feel the end of the taste. And that's how I learned to, uh, uh, to, to reduce my weight. Before I ordained, I, 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 um, I enjoy this kind of practice a lot, you know, because the, sometimes you have to, oh, what should I eat? How much should I eat? And what should I do? I'm gaining weight. And, and that's kind of feeling that I always have to calculate and a little bit anxiety about what to eat and what not to eat. But when I practice eating mindfulness, and we say, wow, I, I enjoy so much because I get to taste the, the flavor until the end of every bite. And I feel that feeling of content that is, is finished. Normally, if we eat, eat so fast and we're not mindful, then I already think of the second bite or the second piece of the, the cake, the second piece of the potato or carrot. And uh, so I told my friend that if you, you want to lose weight, you don't have to go on the diet program. You can practice eating in mindfulness. And, but actually what it brings more deeper is a deep source of happiness. I, I felt that uh, I'm, I cannot be just, just because me that I can buy food and I survive. I felt so much love for the, for the environment, for, for everything that brings that piece of carrot uh, that spoon of rice, especially coming from Thailand and knowing how much you go through the process of growing, planting rice seed, rice seedlings, and wait for months and months. And, and I touch uh, the meaning of uh, interconnected, that I really connect with others, and not just have only this self at me, and I can get the food what I want. And that's give rise right to, to 
gratitude in myself and and bring a lot of happiness. So I uh, I'd like to encourage invite if you can taste this kind of uh, food, this kind of meal, which is very nourishing for your body, uh, for your mind, and also look around and smile to your friends and enjoy that we have so many friends to come together and eating and supporting the, the collective energy together and in touch with all the, the food that when it's going through your body, you can feel if you're not well in certain part of your body, allow that love to, to be born in every bite that you chew and every food, everything that is going to, to your body. And I think we, we will have a, a, a true uh, festive meal. We have a solution for eating every day, three times a day. I would like to invite my brothers to, we have uh, others point also to share. Dear friends, maybe we can listen to a sound of the bell and come back to our, our breathing. Just have a few more minutes here. Enjoying um, being tucked in to our bed. <laughs> It's so nice to sit here and just listen to my sister like it's a guided meditation and just smile and not have to say anything. <laughs> so we, uh, we really enjoy listening to the Dhamma talk here. We'll have a chance to listen to Thai uh, give talks every day. And it's a little bit like tonight. We just allow the, the sound and the words to enter. We, we practice non-judgment. Really just let it enter and we don't need to think about it or judge whether it's right or wrong. We just allow it to enter the soil so it touches the soil of our mind and allows the seeds that are there to be watered. That is the, the practice of listening to a Dhamma talk. And we are already actually doing sitting meditation. <laughs> I don't have to share too much about that, but we will have sitting meditation after walking every morning. And uh, I encourage you to really, we have many monks and nuns here. So if you, if you can't find a comfortable position to sit in, please feel free to go up to one of 
the one, those of us either, those of us in the full brown robes like this or the OI members here with the brown jackets. And maybe they can help you to see how to sit. They're, they're, it really depends on your body and what's comfortable for you. If you like to sit in a chair doing sitting, if you like, prefer to sit on the mat, either one is fine. But we try to establish a solid connection with the ground and the earth when we sit. So I would sit in a, if I'm in a chair, I try to sit with my feet solidly on the ground and upright, yeah. but relax, my shoulders relax. The same when I'm sitting on the cushion on the floor. I try to find a position with the cushion and my legs that I can create a kind of triangle with my knees on the ground so that I feel stable and solid. But if you find that difficult, you can also kneel with your knees on the ground and your legs going back with the cushion between uh, your legs. There are many possible positions. <laughs> So I think I'm just going to give that brief summary right now. It's already late, but I encourage you, if you do have dif difficulty or un you feel uncomfortable, please come up and ask. There are many friends who can help. I know there are probably also many yoga teachers here too who can, who can also give advice. We don't, we don't um, force ourselves in the sitting. We are relaxed. Yeah. So if we feel pain, then we adjust. Yeah. So here, we're not trying to practice a kind of masochism <laughs> when we sit. You know, we really want to, to be relaxed and our body cannot be relaxed if it's in pain. So find a comfortable position. We'll sit together in the morning for I think um, 45 minutes or half an hour. 30 minutes. Yeah, in the morning. Each morning. And try to come make sure you're here. We'll be in the walking meditation but if for some reason you miss walking Please come early so you can find a place and you can get solid and stable in your posture for sitting. So we'll sit in this hall all together. And sitting is not something we do just as individuals. That is a common misperception in, the, in our Western idea of, about the meditation. Here we practice, the, we benefit from the collective energy of practice. Actually, the Buddha and his monks say, most of the time they were sitting in large communities together when you look deeply. <laughs> so that is the way that we practice here. We benefit from each other's presence. So we're aware of the collective energy of mindfulness that is supporting us in our sitting. Uh, now we will go into what we call noble silence. So during this retreat, we will practice um, this noble silence from the end of the last activity each evening until after lunch the next day. So we really have almost a, I don't know, more than 12 hours um, of, of noble silence each day. And what that means is, it doesn't mean that we don't talk at all. Although we, don't, we only speak when it's, very, when it's really necessary. So we try to remain silent or write a note to somebody if we need to communicate something. The practice is not to let the chattering mind come up. Because when we begin to talk in the morning, right away we start to get into all of our projects and worries. And so that practice of stopping becomes more difficult. So we want to support it as a collective body by practicing silence all the way until after we wash our dishes after lunch. 
And I really would like to ask you to support that in your rooms. Um, just in general on the retreat, because we're all sharing rooms. And uh, it is natural because we're in a room with people we don't know that we want to come back and talk about where they're from and their family and their kids and their grandkids and their, you know, and so forth. That is natural. But we just ask you to practice um, intimacy without words. That will be a practice during this. Listen to the sound of the snore like the sound of the bell, bringing us back to our true home. <laughs> and not as that, oh, why did I have room with this loud, you know? You let go of that mind. It's like the waves on the ocean. There's <laughs> a certain resonance. So we try to see the beauty because we know and we have compassion on our dear roommate who perhaps uh, you know, they, they also suffer and cannot sleep well because of their snoring. But we allow it to, it's, it, is, it is our point of view which changes the situation. So if we see it as a bell just reminding us to come back to our breath, to come back to our body, we can relax. But as we allow our mind to, to get upset and irritated by the snore, then we we break noble silence. <laughs> so noble silence is not just words, but it's what happens in the mind. So it means that we come back to our room and we lay down and we practice uh, really activity and walking meditation when we are sitting listening we practice sitting meditation yeah. and we practice deep listening loving speech just like we will learn in, in Dhamma sharing yeah. how to practice deep listening and loving speech tomorrow so that is something that doesn't just happen in Dhamma sharing but it happens throughout the day in our conversations it will change the quality of our listening it will change the quality of our way of speaking And we also enjoy working meditation during this retreat. So each of us has a family. Um, it is our sharing family. We'll meet every day for sharing and also for working. And working meditation here is not working to get things done. <laughs> I know getting things done is very popular. <laughs> but here it's not the point of working. Working here is to in deeply enjoy the work. We're not pursuing happiness at the end of the work, but we're pursuing, we're, we're generating happiness right in every moment of the working. So there's, there's no need to rush, nowhere to go and nothing to do. And even if there's somewhere to go and something to do, we can still be happy and relaxed and free. And I, I encourage all of the work, there are many staff who are here, also uh, supporting this retreat. And I encourage all of them, all the work coordinators in each group, to take a moment tomorrow 
when you first meet with your families to share a little bit about the practice of working meditation so we can really go into it in more detail than we can tonight. Because I know you're all tired and you would like to practice the mindfulness of being tucked in. So um, I think that uh, there are many small things, but the key thing is to look at the collective here. Look at the body of the community and see what it's doing. And then you will have all your questions answered. <laughs> we can only share just a little tiny bit with words of what the practice is about, but just looking around at the community and we, we, we already see how to practice. Yeah. And that is how we support the community and that is how we go deeper into our practice. So I think, you want to just ask if my sister, you'd like to add anything? Maybe we just just a, a minute or two more because we have a special situation here in uh, in our retreat. Will be um, some of us are not only here at Blue Cliff for the retreat, and we'll share. Sister Linim will share a little bit about how we practice beyond the borders of Blue Cliff Monastery. It's wonderful that we we are able to extend our monastery to the hotel. Many of you also stay in the hotel. So like we shared earlier, the practice need to continue no matter where you are, where, you, uh, where will you be? In the toilet, in your bedroom, in the hotel, in the Dharma hall, they are, they are a place of practice. So I think those who stay in the hotel, you will get a chance already to taste the bus meditation <laughs> tonight. <laughs> I guess you can start doing tuck, tucking in meditation in the bus already tonight. <laughs> you have a chance to practice that uh, twice a day. So when you get on the bus, uh, just enjoy walking mindfully, get on the bus and find your seat. There will be a bell master, and we like to invite you just enjoy sitting. It's like doing sitting meditation. You can uh, enjoy, look around the scenery in the morning, in the evening. It's very beautiful. And we like to encourage also those who stay uh, in the hotel, if you can extend this energy of practice in the, into the hotel, and um, turn the hotel into monastery. I think the staff will be very happy by six days. You bring a lot of peaceful energy. So that's a very special situation here. So we would like to encourage everyone to extend your practice to the hotel if you stay there. Thank you very much. And we wish you a very good retreat. And thank you for being here. We will practice together, enjoy being together, and we will weave the practice. It's like when we weave the cloth, when we uh, make the bracelet with the bead, we just have to keep continuing every moment, every act that we do. Thank you. <laughs>